Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you by Evan Orvath of Solero Commerce. We're coming to you live from the Solero Commerce compound as always. And if you own a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to go check them out. Get in touch with Evan Orvath or contact one of us and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Today's episode is also brought to you by CircleBDieCast.com. If you're looking for any diecast or any other NASCAR memorabilia, be sure to go check them out and use promo code BFP123 for $5 off your shipping costs on orders over $20. We would also like to thank Any Racing News, The Graphics Coop, and Daniel Eugene Photography for their support, and of course, the pals over on Patreon. If you haven't yet, go over to patreon.com slash blackflaggedpodcast and subscribe for $4.69 a month. You get some merchandise discounts, some monthly giveaways, and of course, some exclusive content. Brad Keselowski is going to be shown the black flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets that if they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh, Occasional alcohol consumption. Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we actually out we beat him so it's all good all right boys and girls this is going to be episode 167 of the black flag podcast as always i am charlie sanborn that's at c sanborn iii to my left is bradley saucier that's at b sauce 96 and to his left is bobby timmons that's at bobby timmons 13 together we are at black flag pod on all things social media uh without any further ado we've got some pretty cool shit coming up uh had a hell of an interview with Josh Venata looking into uh, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour race at Lee USA Speedway this coming Saturday. Uh, this past weekend, though, uh, some other stuff happened, right? Bobby Bridesmaid. Bobby Bridesmaid. So uh, you did Flappy Bird things over at the Star International Super Race Plex. So uh, how'd that go, Bob? Yeah, I mean, we were all at Barlow Friday, but we'll talk about that after, I suppose. Yeah. Or all three of us were there. Yeah, um, race number two of the year. Um was slated to be a bigger event than normal. The Bob Weber Senior uh, Memorial Night was going to pay nineteen forty-seven to win. A um, little bit extra distance, forty-seven laps, all in honor of the year that Bob was born, nineteen forty-seven. And there's been some drama in the super modified world, controversy, as, if you will. Um, I've touched on it on here <laughs> multiple times the last three weeks. I'm absolutely exhausted by it. Um, the Facebook drama has been on that led to the race paid $8,000 to win. By the time it was all said and done, if you started on the pole and let every lap, you won eight grand. And the guy in front of me did that. That's um, tough. Yeah. Bradley was good though. Bradley Babb, he had a good race car and it's just, we're just so close. It came down to the difference of a guy from Oswego spinning out a third time in his heat race. That was where I lost the race, which may sound stupid, but, Star qualifies via the plus minus system, and that is very beneficial to me because I always draw a back. <laughs> and this week was no different. I draw the back row of the heat race, motor right up the top, pass three cars, finish third in my heat race, three to the handicap. I'm like, all right, that's the first step of winning this race. <laughs> um, plus three is never bad. Nope, and there's only seven cars in each heat race, so that's pretty good. Chances are that somebody's not going to beat that. Brad started fourth in his heat, quickly gets to second, but Eddie Wickham's leading. Eddie's a very good car, won a lot of races, driving the 21 car for the Wickham brothers. That's won a bazillion championships. Um, so I'm like, like to my chances. Guy from Oswego came down, won the long toe bonus. 
little bit different. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. He spins out the first time. <laughs> like, okay. On the restart, Brad hustles the top. Eddie beats him, takes the lead. Go a few more laps. Guy spins out a second time. Brad almost takes the lead. Eddie races him hard, gets him back, takes the lead. Guy spins out a third time, and that's it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not watching this anymore. I can't stand this. I know what's about to happen. And on the ensuing restart, Brad drives around Eddie and wins the heat race. And I'm like, fuck, that's it. We both have a plus three. Brad's going to be on the pole. I'm going to be second. If I don't beat him on the first start, I'm probably not going to get by him. Why, um, why does he get the pole if you're both plus three? He qualified better than I did. Ah. You know, finished first in his heat where I finished third. Gotcha. This all didn't happen not without me um, just absolutely crippling my own race team from within. So I can't blame anybody, but I typically don't tell people to come hang out at the race shop when we're working until we're done. And Dylan Moltz had reached out, good friend of mine. He does not really ever down in this area too much. So I don't get to see him. But I didn't know like he was coming over at like 6 o'clock. So he walks in the race shop, and at the time, I am putting the plug wires on the right side of the motor. It's not his fault. I'm not blaming him, but it just makes sense as to why I made this mistake. The right side um, plugs are very tight to the chassis. The headers go over it. I couldn't see what I was doing. Swapped the 6 and 8 plug wires. We get to the racetrack. Fire the car up for the first practice. I got four sticker t- or three sticker tires on it and a one-week-old left front. Instantly, no, motor's not running right. So I run like three laps. I might as well scuff tires. At least get that done out of the way. Come in. Dad's like, ha you dipshit. You fucking swap the plug wires. Think we got it fixed. Go on the second practice. Still down a cylinder. I'm like, okay, now we've got a big issue. One of the plug wi- uh, one of the spark plugs was just closed right off. Not even firing. Just like, Meh. now we're going into the heat race with no practice, essentially. Um, but luckily, our star package is pretty good, and uh, we had a good heat race. Started on the outside pole of the feature and, uh, you know, gave it everything I had on the restarts, but just never, never really had anything for Brad on the short runs. You know, after like four or five laps, you know, typical crate motor aerodynamics, just after four or five laps, we're the same speed, but I just never had enough to get there and, and, uh, never really saw a challenge from anybody. Um, I knew Jeffrey, obviously Jeffrey battle was going to be fast and he got to third and he did show me a wheel once, um, as a caution was coming out. And I think, you know, that might have been why I think I was already checking up, but uh, he fucking wean stepped it on the ensuing restart and about spun the thing out in the middle of the backstretch, fell all the way back to seventh and had to fight for his life just to drive back to third. And he did it relatively quickly. <laughs> um, so same top three is opening night, just a different order with the uh, constant of me finishing second. That's four regular season, um, regular events at star dating back to the last two of last year where I finished second. So I'm getting real fucking tired of being a bridesmaid, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse. Still some pretty cool trophies, though. Yeah, this weekend's was was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Gave away the opening night second place trophy because I have no use for plaques. But (laughs) this one was a pretty big three-tier trophy with a big plaque in it of Bob Weber. There's a cup. Um, I drank beer out of my cup. Bradley (laughs) drank beer out of his cup. Um, So it was fun. As one does. You know, we all had beers together. We all laughed. You know, we all go back to Applebee's. Brad Saucier and Brad Babb. We had Brad Squared. Ended up at Applebee's. All good. Um, sucks. There's only 13 cars. And the Smack 350 Series, which uh, they had a pretty big paying race, too. I, I kind of wondered during the week. I'm like, this star thing's blowing up. The star thing's blowing up. You know, why is like Smack's got to have something for a response. I'm not seeing anything. And then I realized that Smack fucking shadow banned me on Facebook. <laughs> which, for those that don't know what shadow banning means, I can still look up their page. And find it on Facebook, but it doesn't show up in my newsfeed. I can't like anything. I can't comment on anything, and I can't message them. 
So then I figured out, yeah, their race also had some bonus money, and, and their race paid a really respectable $3,500 to win as well, which is great money at my favorite racetrack in the world. I would have fucking loved to have been there too. And, you know, I, I shot my mouth off in some interviews. I, I talked you, know, you. I talked about it on previous episodes. I didn't think I said anything that, that anyone would take personally. Um, I didn't think I was really talking shit about anyone specifically. I, in fact, I believe I told James Russo I thought he was a good promoter. And if I didn't do it on here, I told him over Facebook Messenger. And that seemed to have gotten lost in translation or forgotten about. To the point where I was worried that I might not even be allowed to race at Hudson this weekend. Um, but we got that all squared away. Um, you know, Ben Bozowski, I still got him in my back pocket. So that's a good tool <laughs> to have. And uh, really looking forward to getting back to Hudson this weekend. I don't believe, I, I really don't think that you talk shit about anyone, but I do uh, know that you said that you were just bummed out that you couldn't race at your favorite racetrack on Absolute, the planet. That's all so. it was. I was just butthurt, man. Like, I love fucking Waterford. I watched, I watched their race on YouTube last night, and I'm just like, fuck, does that look like fun? And you know it. In there's a cup. There was a couple guys at Waterford that I'm sure had there not been a race at Waterford would have been at Star. So you, you, that was where my frustration with Smack all along has lied. You had two great races for 350 Super Modifieds that both suffered because of short sightedness. And I, I always need an excuse to go to Connecticut for a race. So I would have loved to, uh, to have you down there at Waterford. Uh, obviously on a different weekend, and uh, probably would have made the trip, but. Uh, yeah, we did, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, I didn't really do anything this weekend other than Bartlett on Friday. Charlie, is, is that the same for you? Uh, yeah, I had all sorts of plans and intentions to go to Oxford. Uh, wanted to go see, uh, Nate Barth and, and team Chris Smith go out and do some wheeling, but, um, again, kind of quite frankly, there's just so much to do around here and I very rarely have a, a day off, so stayed here, tried to purge some stuff out of the house. My mother's also in the hospital, so that kind of took up, uh, bit of my time over the last few days so uh t's and p's with lisa yeah she's she's doing all right she uh she went to get something out of the freezer this is about three weeks ago she went to get something out of the freezer and the handle came off as she and she she doesn't get around all that well anyway so the handle comes off and she decides to go about mach three across the kitchen floor and smack her dome off the island to which bradley comes through the door and has to pick her ass up i i uh (laughs) i cannot stress enough that I don't ever get sick, and I that day was sicker than I have ever been in my entire life. I mean, like not woke because up, my mother was on. The no, court. no, no. Woke up with like chills, um, but was sweating. Um, just didn't feel good at all. Like really bad headaches, sore throat. Just was. All, I mean, I knew I had a fever of well over a hundred, and was just kind of in the fetal position all day. And then I finally mustered up the courage to go to Hannaford for about ten minutes. Because uh, I was feeling some food, and I figured I would go to the uh, General Tassau's, uh wing wing bar there at Hannaford, have someone else make my food for me, and uh, I was gone for about ten minutes, and came back, and yeah, she was on the floor, a uh, little uh, little nerve wracking, and the I I picked her up, obviously, um, got her back situated where she uh, meant to be, and um, I in that about five seconds of picking your mother up off the floor was back to just absolutely drenched in sweat like I had just played two hours of hockey. So um, that was uh, – it was a fun, real fun 24 hours. It, yeah, it sounds like it. But uh, so so anyway, this happens, right? She she smacks her head pretty good. She's got you know, a good cut on her head. So as one does, we, we call the EMTs. They show up. They, they cart her off to the hospital. Well, 
The last time she did this, she decided to go down the entire set of stairs from the second floor all the way down to the first floor. <laughs> the express route. <laughs> yeah. So the last time she had fallen, and people are going to start thinking I beat the shit out of my mother, and I promise I don't, but she, uh, she, she fell down the stairs and she had spent the night overnight at the hospital. So this had happened at about 10 or 11. We finally get the EMTs over here. They take her to the hospital. So I'm, I'm thinking it, it's going to be overnight at least. Well, they release her within two hours of her being there. Okay, this is a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, whenever this was. And Lindsay and I passed out. And all of a sudden, somebody's banging on the fucking door to the point where, like, I'm thinking somebody's breaking into my house. I get up, and it is my 71-year-old mother just crouched over trying to get in the house because she had taken it upon herself to Uber from the emergency room back to the house, walked the length of the driveway back up in. Okay, fine. Fast forward to this past weekend right or when it's at actually wednesday she goes to the hospital and she gets some tests done just some routine blood work and stuff like that they call her wednesday midday i'm at work they call her and they're like yeah you need to go to the hospital like 10 minutes ago Uh, apparently all of her blood work showed that she had a super high risk for blood clots she's also been complaining that her back hurts and she can't breathe so now they're thinking she's got blood clots in her lungs i'm like oh great fucking fantastic well, she's saying for you know since she fell, she's been saying her back hurts too. Though I'm like, mom, you you've had a, a spinal fusion, like your back always hurts. Like it, it doesn't surprise me. Well, she gets to the hospital, and luckily there's no blood clots. But they're like, oh, did you know that your leg is broken? Oh, <laughs> she three weeks ago she broke her femur and her knee, and we are just now finding out about this. So she's been walking around and uh, obviously in a lot of fucking pain. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. She calls me fucking crying. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, let's get you to the hospital. So she was there Thursday, Friday. Uh, Saturday got transported to a rehabilitation center for you know occupational therapy, stuff like that, where she currently still is. So that was a good chunk of my week and weekend last week. So I, again, had to take some days off of work and all that. And I didn't make it to a racetrack other than... Bartlett, when I got to uh, scoot aside for a couple hours, and the three of us had a time. I don't mean to toot our own horns. We're pretty fucking we good. Fucking knocked it out of the park Friday night for an opening night. Just, just always, it's always clinky, uh, clunky. You never have an opening night that just rattles off flawlessly. And and there was some things that we masked, like the a little bit of panic that we couldn't find an American flag three minutes before the national anthem. <laughs> Nobody knew that, but we found but it. We found it. You know, there was some other things like I, you know, the practicing, uh, you know, getting the cards out for practice kind of got screwed up a little bit. I made a couple calls that I, I in hindsight, wished I could have uh, made differently, uh, especially to Ryan Phillips. Definitely fucked him out of a chance of winning the wing champ race. And he was upset. And I explained to him, like, hey, man, it was a 50-50 call, and I waited too long to make up my mind. So when you wait too long, you're forced to make one decision that unfortunately wasn't the right one. But um, that's going to happen. You know, umpires, officials, referees, it's all it's all making calls on the fly. So, mm-hmm. But other than that, a lot of go-karts, I believe 74, 75 entries, seven classes. Started at 7.15, we were done at 9.45, and that's ultimately my goal. I have two main goals as a race director and flagman. Make the race as fair and clean as possible and get them done as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we did it. And, and uh, no parents complained about you guys. A lot of uh, positive <laughs> feedback. 
Brad slid right in flawlessly and seamlessly. I put him on the spot in the driver's meeting, and which for sure probably gave him clammy clam hands. No, I already <laughs> had clammy clam hands. <laughs> for for uh, for a first time out, and uh, not fully knowing that that was your job until, I don't know, what, four or five days ago? I don't know why he didn't know. We knew. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> yeah. We might not have told him, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were hired months ago. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, we yeah, we, no. we literally talked about it like over a beer at like Chili's or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, sure, I'd I'd be interested for sure. And then didn't hear anything. And then like the race is going green in like five days, and they're like, yes, you ready? And I'm like, about for uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> for what? Uh, yeah, we didn't give you enough time to back out, so it's too much time to think about it. So. No, I, I think that uh, I mean some big shoes to fill. Jeremy DeCorsi was uh, you know definitely very good at what he did there. And I mean and this in the nicest way possible to you, Brad. You're not going to fill him. I mean we're, no. just, we're just looking for another pair of shoes. We don't we don't need the next Jeremy. We just need the the, the new Brad. Yeah. Um, so there you did a fantastic job, I think, and for for your first time out, I think that we did a pretty good job on our end of things. The biggest, the hardest part for me, however, is that those that have been to Bartlett in turns one and two, there is a little building that is the basically this timing and scoring building and the announcer's booth. Well, forever and always, since they built that new building and took down that rickety old fucking whatever that was before. Tree fort without a tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you walked in, and to the left, there was like this little cubicle, and that was the announcer's booth. To the right was a big desk where all the scoring shit was done. Well, without really even talking to anybody, they swapped the timing and scoring and the announcer shit, which is fine. But we couldn't hear ourselves. So typically, yeah, it almost made more sense with the layout of the building that you guys should have had more area, the bigger window. But yeah, so we spent the first two heat races of me just looking at you guys under caution, doing the thumbs up. And I texted both of you. Neither one of you responded. That was very helpful. <laughs> yeah, no um, problem. But we uh, eventually got it figured out. No, and... the, like I said, the harp, because when we were to the left, it's right next to a speaker. So I could just hang my head out and be like, okay, that's a good volume. I can hear myself. It's kind of like right now where we have a headset on and you, I hear myself talk. And what? Like, you hear me. Uh, spotters, same thing. You listen to yourself and you know if, if your tone is right and all that stuff. So now we're on the right, right side. There's no, well, There is a window, but there's no speaker. And we're right next to the generator, which I'm sure was feeding back into the mic. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if anybody can hear us or not, but we're just going to fucking wing it. And I think we crushed it. I Yeah, I think that it, it went way better than I thought it was going to. Um, definitely lost a little bit of sleep um, the night before, just thinking about all the uh, the expletives I could accidentally say on a hot mic because um, there has been... As long as you don't say cunt in front of a bunch of little kids. Well, I heard that track. Jeremy did that once. So I have a <laughs> one one race pass <laughs> that I haven't used yet. But no, so the, the, well, basically, yeah, the night before I'm like, well, shit, like I, I don't know, you know, what, what could go wrong and basically everything that could go wrong went through my mind. Um, and then throughout the day I was fine. I, I don't think that I was really all that nervous even walking onto the premises. The, the biggest thing was that I didn't know if I was going to get like a list of names or whatever. So I sat there and I wrote down everyone's name from each division and my we were, I was like two divisions in, and my hand had like the worst cramps of all time because there is a lot of people in, in uh, each division. Um, and so 
I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll just finish this later. I accidentally left it at work. And then I was like, great. So now I know all of three racers there. Not only that, but uh, where we were sitting, I couldn't see the flag stand. So that's another reason. Not only that, my phone was on Do Not Disturb because the Penguins were playing. I didn't want that to uh, come across. That that, that could have added a good fuck uh, in the middle of just uh, <laughs> normal conversation. But um, so I couldn't see the flag stand. I couldn't see you doing the the, uh, the uppity there. Um, was 100% sure, not 100% sure when the green flag was thrown, when halfway was, when it was two to go, five to go, whatever. Um, white flag was kind of just going off Charlie. And um, I, but I do think that it went significantly better than I would have ex- expected. Um, it is really tough to uh, call a race when not only do you not know who is uh, who, basically, but also who is leading because they're running eight second laps. And it was know, one race, I think it was Junior Sportsman. Mason Legier was leading, um, and I just was waving the passing flag the entire time around the racetrack because you had go-karts going one lap down, two <laughs> laps down, three laps down. And I basically looked at Rusty. I was like, you got to watch the battle of second on back because I got to watch the leader in, in direct traffic. And I watched some highlights of, or maybe I even saw it live. I don't remember. But at one point, I'm pretty sure the second place got swapped like four times in a lap because yeah. there was just fucking go-karts everywhere. That, well, that that's another thing that's tough with what we're, we're doing in that building. We have no scoring in front of us. We have no scoreboard at the racetrack, which that should we should address that, I think, at some point, even though we don't pay the bills, but that's fine. It would be nice to get some sort of just second monitor yeah. and a cord run through to your side. I mean, I I have an old monitor, so if we could probably rig that up with a cord and a splitter. Because kind of, kind of like what you were saying, though, like I'm just trying to keep track Dan, of the Dan leader. Collins, help us. Tell us what we need to make that happen. Yeah, Dan Colin. He's smart with us. I'm shit. sure he'll listen to this. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm looking at Brad. I'm like, is, is that... Is that the leader? I don't know. Yeah, there like, was there was a couple times I was like, who the fuck is leading this race? It, it, right was, now? it was nice because like I very even on while, while the mic was running right off the bat was like I'm going to be a color commentator. I am not going to announce because Charlie obviously does a really good job of doing that. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll color commentate. Well, well then there was at least three or four times where Charlie's like, is that guy running second? And I'm like, nope, nope. Uh, that guy's running second. That's just a lap cart. And Charlie's like, all right, all right, good, good. And then I was like, oh, good, I'm helping. <laughs> I can actually assist in some way because it's it's weird. Like a lot of the a lot of the divisions would roll onto the racetrack, and someone would go down, you know, bad start or whatever, get lapped early, but then they're still running really competitively, and they're right behind the leader, and they're not really losing ground. And you're like, that maybe they're second because <laughs> it's definitely going to come into play uh, a lot. So um, I think but. that the big the biggest adjustment that we had was so when I first started doing it, it was Rusty and I. And I didn't even know I was doing it until that morning, the first night he ever asked me to do it, and I haven't stopped doing it since. But the way that it would happen is like one of us would talk until you were out of breath, and then the other one would talk until you're out of breath, and because it's such quick lap times that well, that doesn't take long for us to. Well, you get it, um, but <laughs> you, it's such it's like seven eight seconds lap, so you you have a lot of shit to cover in a very short amount of time. So you're just talking 100 miles an hour until you're out of breath, and then kind of the same thing transition when Jeremy started doing it with me. It was, you know, it was very just give and take, you know, you do a lap or two, then the other one does a lap or two. And it, it you almost had the same cadence, but it was just two different people. And now Brad, it's a little bit different because you, it, it is more color commentating. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the total action pack on whatever's going on the racetrack. Like people can see that obviously. So it was nice to kind of throw it. And then we'd have a conversation for a few laps and you don't have to talk about it. Oh, this kid's still leading. Oh, this kid's still leading. Oh, this kid's still leading. So, yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, uh, 
right off the bat, I think I didn't know what to expect. I've obviously been to racetracks before, but everything just does happen so fast that I think very early on, I was like, I don't think that we need to be talking the entire time because if we do, we're just going to ramble and ramble because that it's more or less, you know, one kid goes out in the lead and then leads every single lap and like, yeah, there's a battle going on, but it's more or less just a, a cart or a cart trying to get around a lap cart. And it's like, how, how much can you talk about that? You know? But it was, it was, it was hectic. It was very hectic, and uh, yeah, I'm it just... is very chaotic. I mean, it's Rusty and I work together well. You know, like when when things start to, when the race starts to dictate what it is, you know, it's like okay, now I need as the flagman, I just have to take the front half of the field, you know, especially for when they catch the back half. So I'll say, Rusty, you've got battle of eight and double zero on back, and he says, okay, so he's watching half, I'm watching half. Um, Jess tries to help. She's also playing the scoring. Eddie sometimes pitches in. So it's we got a good little team over there, and I was extremely proud of of everybody and how it how opening night went. We're back at it this Friday. Now that I've said all that and sucked everyone off, it's probably going to be a clusterfuck, and we're going to be there till midnight. Oh but. my god, for sure. Um, but now just to reiterate what you said, for an opening night for a little go kart track run by a bunch of twenty somethings, I think we did all right in in conjunction with Eddie and Jess. And so. it helps that we got every aspect of of it covered you know eddie's very good at track maintenance and track prep and that's his job he does everything behind the scenes you know he was a lot of people don't even understand like he was there for 16 hours on wednesday prepping the track and when he left he's like fuck yeah and he got there thursday morning it was like nope and (laughs) tore it all up and started over Uh, you know he said he's like 80 something year old dad felt bad and was there mowing the lawn and weed whacking for him just because you know he was breaking his back to Eddie doesn't get nearly, ready. get nearly enough credit. He does no. 98% of the work that needs to be done for us to just plug and play. Yeah, show we up are strictly and... race day operations only. Yeah. And, and I didn't even really realize that myself until he said, you know, a couple seasons ago that the less he has to do on race day, the better he is. And so I made it my goal right there. I said, I'm going to make sure you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Just make sure the sound system works. Make sure the lights go on. The generator runs because we've had some light issues before and find the flag. And we mm. found the flag, <laughs> the American flag. Uh, so, no, like I, I said, we're back at it this Friday. Um, catch all three of us there. All four. Well, Rusty will be there. So all four of us. Jess, you know, Jess, she gets the brunt of our shit, you know, because I'm, I'm very, very adamant that I want to be efficient and quick, and I can be an asshole, and I, you know, everybody knows that, and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm responsible for getting everybody their job there in place, but I feel like Charlie, Rusty, Brad, you guys, I'm the reason that you know. I want you guys there, and, and and you guys understand what I want for a show, and you understand that Bobby can be a dick, but you don't take it personally. Man. And, and, uh, we can all be dicks, Bob. And I didn't even yell at anybody this Friday. Like, I, it really went, it really went smoothly. So, I think the coolest part of the night was at the very end. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I, my homage or is stealing something from Andy Austin at the end of every night, I play Happy Trails by Roy Rogers because that's just, that's how I grew up leaving Beechridge. So, I do that for everybody at the end of the night, and you hear happy trails, whatever. And right at the end of that, Eddie walks in. He's like, I think I got the best damn team out of any racetrack that's around here. I was like, you know what? I think you fucking might. I think we crushed that. So uh, anybody who doesn't have anything going on this Friday night, head back over to Bartley Bridge Raceway, Lyman, Maine, MX-207, whatever you want to call it. Uh, instead of going right, just go left. That's where the go-kart track we'll is. Be, we'll be giving away a couple tickets on 
to our Patreon subscribers at, at one point or another, um, either one pit pass or two grandstand tickets, whatever you decide. Brad, Brad's in charge of all that. But yeah, it was funny. Eddie, Eddie walked in and said that, and I was like standing front and center, and I just like looked around. And I was like, "Yeah, you, you got some, you got some pretty all right people here. Good, good group, good group." Because like it just felt weird. Like I, it did feel like it went over really smoothly. So uh, I'm excited for that, and hopefully uh, we can we can have that happen again. Just uh, wait till you're weekend, there for but, a night that doesn't go smooth. Because uh, when they well, don't, they really don't. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll you know handle that one when, when the time comes. But so yeah, that was the only time that uh, we really spent at the racetrack this weekend. Obviously, Bobby raced star, but we were all planning on going up to White Mountain until uh, we weren't. When Mother uh, Nature, yeah, when Mother Nature played a role in that. So um, boy, wasn't Star worth the price of admission on Saturday? You boys missed out on a show. Yeah, there's a. I think that there was a couple uh, a lot of viral of viral from, moments. Yeah, um, good, bad, indifferent. It's. I think it's all good for racing. The memes, the jokes, the you know, obviously, officials, teams, not really proud of that shit. But as a fan, I don't understand how any fan left Star Speedway Saturday night disappointed with anything that went on. You had beloved friend of the program Josh Hodgson <laughs> trying to cave in Jason Gammon's windshield. You had Luke LeBron. Um, you know, if you've listened to this show long enough, he absolutely just fucking punted me out of the way in a legend car Beatridge, and he hasn't changed. He drove right through. Again, I'm staring at his plaque right now. Beloved friend of the program, Connor McDougal, absolutely just punted him coming to the checkers. Never even left it. Never even tried to go around. And if you can if you can live with winning races like that, then that's fine. That's how the new generation of kids are being groomed to race. I, and I got out in my victory lane interview I didn't even know this went on in the late models. I missed it. I missed all that because I was getting ready for my race. But, you know, I got out in my interview for finishing second and said, yeah, you know, I could have gone all Chase Briscoe, Joey Logano on him, but I know I work too hard and I know Brad works too hard. And little did I know the race before mine that there somebody went full on Joey Logano. <laughs> yeah. And, and Rusty said, you know, and I think Brad might have said the same thing. If if that's what you want to do, fine. But don't get out in victory lane and say, oh, I didn't really want to race him like that. Well, you didn't have to, buddy. Fucking lift. Yeah. Like, all you would have had to do is just lift. Connor dominated the race from all accounts. He caught a lap car and just chose the safe route instead of trying to pass the lap car. And it cost him the race, unfortunately. And, and Weber immediately. Weber was already not happy with the late model division. And it weren't 30 seconds after the race. All late model drivers to the tech shed. Yeah, and he addressed it accordingly and handled it. I've been a part of those meetings with Weber. He does not pull any punches. He does not hold back. But you know where you stand with him. And he was not happy with the way that that went. And uh, but overall, I think the super modified race went pretty good. I think it was a good show. You had some cautions, so you had some restarts and some mixing it up. And I think overall, it was a great night. Um, you know, Josh Hodgson probably would disagree. Connor would probably disagree. But sometimes you're the windshield. Sometimes you're the bug. And <laughs> pun intended. So was Josh the bug? He was a big bug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, there there are three pedals in the race car for a reason. Everybody, mine only has two. But. Well, you get it. Uh, everybody sitting in the seat knows how all three of them work, so there's no excuse for, for stuff like that. We've all done it. We've all been a victim of it too, um, but there's a, there's a time and place for it. And you can always tell the kids that don't have to work on their own race cars or they just show up with a helmet. And uh, that's becoming more and more prevalent, I yeah, think. Connor in, came, in over, came over and came over to me and said, oh, now I know how you feel. I said, well, I hope you sure tried to bounce his head off the steering wheel after the race like I did. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I got him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, our uh, Snapchat group chats, love that. Yeah, great great car counts overall. The uh, the slingshots, they're mad bombers to me. They'll always be mad bombers. Um, great feel to those. I looked at my girlfriend, Abby, and I said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go and watch this race. And I was glad I did. Um, great show. Dwight Souther just just put one on him you know a little upset he cut his mullet but 
That's, does that's does a good job. Dave Cameron, friend of the program, finished second. And Chris Knox got cleaned out earlier in the race by Gammon. Um, I think, anyway. That's what it looked like to me. But his car is painted exactly like Dale Earnhardt's. And if he didn't go Dale Earnhardt like 17th to 3rd in the last three laps, like to the point where me and I was sitting next to Nick Cusack as well as my girlfriend – and we're like, dude, fucking Dale. And he's going down the backstretch, <laughs> coming to the checkers. And we just stood up and saluted him with the three fingers. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, Chris Knox. So he rounded out the podium there. Um, the street stocks were there. Billy Fist picked up the win over Clark Brooks and other friend of the program, Bibbin Dibido. Um, his shit was all fucking twisted up and bent and not running right. And uh, that Dylan's car is pretty fucking fast because apparently with it being bent and on seven cylinders, he still finished third. Late models, like I said, Luke LeBron beat uh, Connor McDougal for the win. I don't know who was third in that race, but again, good field late models. Uh, Bradley beat me over Jeffrey in the Supers. We had, like I said, 13. Um, Chase Lott came back after uh, he hadn't run there this year, and you know, he, he pulled in two pit stalls down from me, and trust me, everybody on my crew turned and looked at me, and it was all good. His dad came over, shook our hands, just laughed it off. You know, I didn't forget about it, but there's no sense to, no sense to cause any shit when it's not warranted. So mm-hmm. then I believe Chase finished fourth. In our race, and then the mini stocks were there. I'm going to be honest. I was in tech. I was drinking beer. Don't even know if they raced or not. <laughs> uh, You'll have that on them bigger jobs. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, uh, I, think I was the only one. And look, I, I I don't. I definitely, out of the two of them, cheer for Connor McDougal. I love watching Connor McDougal do good. I love just, uh, you know, usually his cars are very, very pretty. Uh, and I just, I watched that and everyone was just really unhappy with Luke and I understand. And, uh, crowd was making noise. Well, it didn't look like a particularly huge crowd, but, um, I heard when they were booing LeBron from my pit stall and me and Bradley Babb were, were down in turn one to get push started off for the feature and they announced both of our names and I could hear, you know, a good pop from the crowd. So. Yeah, crowd the, was crowd was definitely there with it. There was some energy. Love that. Connor's a track favorite, I would say. Oh, yeah. uh, I I love Connor. I love you know. I know we all like Connor. Connor's in front of the program, but you know, I I didn't think that uh, what Luke did was as egregious as as a lot of other people. Specifically, just because you know Connor's a wheelman and held on to it and didn't wreck his didn't destroy his car. Um, obviously, has a little bit more rubber marks down the side of it, but I I didn't find it as egregious as uh, it seemed like everyone in our Snapchat group chats. I know Bob and I both have. Well, when uh, you have a preconceived notion of somebody, which listen, I got nothing personally against Luke LeBron. I'm probably never going to race against him ever again. Like I said, tried to bounce his face off the steering wheel that day, but it was over that day and. And I think a lot of the members in our group chat might have felt the same. Yeah, I think so, especially when you have like Reagan in there who spun out, and uh, then Luke flipped because of him. And and uh, Reagan, I didn't really think was that talented, but if you're talented enough to spin out six rows in front of a guy and make him flip when he runs into you, <laughs> that's fucking Mario level. That's Mario Andretti level shit. He right threw there. the bananas out. Yeah, Reagan's hiding some talent in there. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, so we. Uh, I mean, other than that, I, I did really nothing this weekend. Uh, Saturday, I went a little bit too hard. Uh, went and I had a, actually a, my sub full day. Went and played eighteen holes of golf, played eighteen holes of disc golf. Went up, uh, went up to Wyndham and watched some hockey. Watched a little bit of the truck race. Then found myself at Eric's church. Um, that was all of my own doing and all of my own wanting. I actually had a great time. Um, would love to go you back did. there. You, you got to Applebee's. We had been there for a little <laughs> bit, but you're like Bob. 
well, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, like, listen, you got to kind of, once I started to learn to like Eric's church, because trust me, I shit on that place as much as Charlie continues to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Charlie hates it because they tried to charge him a cover one time and he and hasn't tried nothing, to go back. And, nothing. No, I've been there. Yeah, they've had three different like management teams since then. So. I've never, no, been, no. I've never even been asked, to, <laughs> never been asked to charge a cover, stood in line for Very maybe petty. two minutes one time. Um, I do respect the pettiness, but yeah, I got uh, way too rinsed at, uh, at Eric's church. Ended up getting to uh, Applebee's just in time for Brad Bab to buy me a beer that sat in front of me for at least an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, I don't think you actually drank it. <laughs> I, I, looked at, I looked at it. I never finished it, but I looked at it for so, so long, and I was like, I cannot drink this beer. Um, so I just ordered a bunch of food. And we had and, taken over the bar at Applebee's. It yeah. was you, me, my sister and Joe, my girlfriend Abby, Rusty, um, Chuck Buxton and Paige had showed up, and one of their friends, like, it was like, all right, we're here for it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and Brad. And I, I do remember, I think I, I was just like, this is on your tab, right? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, put his beer on mine. And then I felt bad because I made him buy a beer that I didn't really even drink. Um, but <laughs> okay, he won $8,000 yeah, just yeah. hours before yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, well, I also went golfing with him yesterday, and he didn't charge me for my round, so uh, that's good. But, um no, I, I, uh, yeah, Saturday was just way too aggressive and, uh, ended up, you know, waking up at like 1030 on Sunday and kind of just sat, you know, sat around all day, um, you know, cleaned up a little bit, I guess. And, uh, you know, I ended up watching the whole cup race, but, um, would be remiss to, uh, not bring up, uh, it's not, I guess my weapon of the week can be drew dollar, but my favorite, actually, I don't know if my weapon of the week is drew dollar or, uh, the tow truck driver or the guy that <laughs> wrecked, um, but just arca arca is my weapon of the of century just, yeah of the year so far uh they had a car just completely i think he spun out wrecked the thing in practice car fell off the uh the wrecker and just destroyed not destroyed but at least ran into uh which is never cheap the uh, side of uh chris wright's truck hauler which is just super arca um i guess it could happen to really any vehicle but um just the fact that it happened to arca makes a lot more sense and uh then drew dollar goes out in the race and I had actually turned on the Arca race for a little bit. I was home for about 30 minutes on, on uh, Saturday and ended up watching a little bit of that. Corey Heim and Drew Dollar are basically dominating. Um, that makes sense. They're driving cup cars in Arca. And um, then <laughs> the only thing that I saw from the rest of the race was um, uh, Couch Racer, actually. They, the Couch Racer account on Twitter had tweeted out uh, something about it was a video of Billy Venturini talking about <laughs> Drew Dollar, which was easily i don't know we don't have like a really like my favorite thing that happened this week but that's that's going to be my w of the week or w or whatever but uh we're gonna definitely have to start doing something like that because that was easily my favorite thing that i saw all week and it was just him just he's just like i understand why david gillen punched him in the face last year at bristol i mean he just goes out there and he's just an idiot and uh you know some great kid but just some people just shouldn't drive race cars and um, I don't know if anyone, any of our listeners have ever um, followed Drew Dollar's career, but absolutely correct. He, um, I remember, I think it was his last, last year. Name, his last name is the reason why he's still racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was funny. I think after, I don't even, it might have been on this show, might have been just us and talking to people. But I remember someone saying, you know, you got dollared after Daytona. Um, and I, I remember, I think it was Texas last year. I, I could be mistaken, but they went out to, for truck series practice. Um, and maybe it was gateway. I don't know. It was one of, it was a race where they were practicing and drew dollar went out and absolutely fucking destroyed the truck down the backstretch, like bad, bad. Um, and then we went to Daytona this year and we're watching the Xfinity race and he just fucking junked like half the field on lap five. Um, so drew dollar is my weapon of the year. Um, other than, 
the uh, the driver of the '76 uh, super late model. Um, but Tyler uh, Tomatoes, yeah. Um, but I think yeah, he still holds. Just, I think he's still the clubhouse leader for now. Yeah, he has still to be. early. I mean, I mean Drew, we're only we're only into May. And Drew Dollar. I mean, Drew Dollar's too. Like, he, we're, we're not going to be able to get Drew, Drew Dollar a trophy, you know, like we did Spencer. But uh, yeah, do, I mean, do you in, think Tyrone would accept the trophy? No, but doesn't I mean, sound like it. Probably, yeah, he probably still give him one. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the the truck race I think was kind of a snoozer because Zane Smith just kind of dick stomped him. Yeah, I didn't even know there was one. Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah. I did watch most of the Cup race on Sunday. Same thing. I lounged around, didn't really do shit. Wasn't really in the mood to do shit. Just it was fucking hot Saturday, um, and just wiped out. You know, yeah, not like didn't get didn't fall out of the seat during the race or anything, but just was like I'm not. I'm not uh, not into it, so I uh, I did go to the gym, a little half-ass workout, and then put in an entire shift at Apple or not Apple, at Pat's. Uh, my girlfriend was working from four to ten. I typically, when she closes the you know, the bar, I'll go for the last hour that she's there. And um, like I said earlier, it was with uh, or no, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. So Nick Cusack, his him and Amy, they were like, hey, let's let's go grab beer somewhere. We're in town. Rusty met us at Eric's at like two. I got to Pat's at four, which was the same time my girlfriend did, and I didn't leave until she left when we locked the doors. So <laughs> put in an entire day shift at Pat's Pizza and didn't feel great about it. Uh, yeah, weird. <laughs> kind of woke up the next morning feeling like I did something wrong and <laughs> really didn't like didn't drink that much. I think I only had like four or five beers on my tab there, which would be a lot if I was there for an hour and a half, but I was there for seven hours. So, yeah. um, But the uh, cup race, um, hard to tell what's going on when it's on mute. I just kind of kept looking up. I was like, "Oh, another flat tire! Oh, another flat tire! Oh, Chase Elliott is stuck in the in the moat." And then Kurt Busch won. Yeah, no, it was a. I mean, fire pants. I fucking hate. Like, okay, so mile and a half's just because it's been you know within the last five years. Mile and a half's anytime they're on the schedule, I'm like, fuck this! Like, uh, it's on. Like, I might watch it, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it like I would like a Bristol or something that's entertaining. Well, the mile and a half so far this year have been very entertaining with this new car. And uh, Vegas was probably the best Vegas race I've seen in a very long time. I'm like, oh, I'll give Kansas a try. Kansas is a nice little racetrack, the multi-groove. And uh, that was easily the best Kansas race I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, just a lot of comers and goers, a lot of different people leading, a lot of strategy, you know, that played into it. And I, I think that, you know, even though it, it was, it ended up being the Kyle and Kyle show for a while, you still got the best car uh, there that won the race. So um, I don't think that there was really anything else that you can, uh, you can ask for in that. But uh, I, I will say the, the one thing that I was uh, kind of bummed out about was Bubba Wallace was Kurt Busch was the fastest car there. Bubba Wallace was probably top three or four cars there. He ended up driving himself up to fifth. They had a round of pit stops and he comes in and, and they literally like, I think it might've been Jamie Little or whatever goes, Bubba Wallace just coming coming down to his guys. He radios in and just says, we have a winning car. As long as you guys can, you know, get me out of here cleanly, like we'll be good. Well, what do they do? They forget Not one of the that. tires. They, they leave one of the tires off the car, goes bouncing down pit road. Alex Bowman hits it into like Chastain or someone. And, you know, what does Bubba Wallace do? I have to go to the back. And uh, he still drove all the way up from the back to a top 10 finish. So, um that was cool. I would have uh, loved to see. I think for a would while. Would you rather there, have a tire not be put on or have to cut one off with a sawzall? Uh, probably the not put on one. Because you, know you know why Charlie lost BFP this week? Because this driver had to have a tire cut off with a sawzall. And you were going to win. Yep. Out of the three of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alex Bowman was up there. Yeah, for you guys were going to race. I had no shot. I uh, The Fords are junk. We need to get our shit together. When we're, The Fords just have no chance. I mean, Kevin Harvick, out of all the active drivers in the field, 
over the last six races, eight races at Kansas, had the best driver average and 15th, which yeah, is I probably good for him. Which, you know, I don't think that been, that even matters anymore, though. I don't think that, it does that, either. Those The yeah. Fords are just not good. Yeah. And uh, so Brad's still the points leader with 20. Charlie's to 26, and I'm at 27. So good good thing I got that nice fire suit this year because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be doing something dumb. In Mine, mine's in the mail, apparently. I don't um, sh- not a free ad. This is the official podcast of not giving free ads, <laughs> but giving free ads. K1 suits, you can just wash in your washer at home. What? You do need a specific uh, detergent and, you know, make sure you use cold water. Um, but that's usually like a big no-no. I used to get them dry cleaned at fucking 18 bucks a whack every time. Fuck, I'm going to wash my suit after every race if that's the case. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. Give me some clean fucking threads. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, this this episode is brought to you by Original Wheelman. And uh, we're all wa- rocking yeah, our t-shirts. Speaking of fresh threads. Yeah, we're all rocking our t-shirts uh, right now. I had to just pull mine out because it was stuck on the microphone. Um, guess I'm getting a little fat, but you'll have that on the bigger jobs. I guess I'll have to get the next size up next time I get some more stuff. But uh, Original Wheelman is here to provide any and all with a love for racing an apparel line they'll proudly wear anywhere and everywhere with a touch of class that still looks fast. OGW is here. <laughs> OGW is here to make sure you look good when standing on the door in victory lane. Or the I, roll cage or the wing. I am speed. Or stand on the door opening and fall off like Doug Kobe. You still look good. Yeah, so shout out Kevin Brown. OGW. He jumped on board for the next handful of episodes. Um, didn't even know, I don't even know if I've actually met him. You know and what, boys? Sold him some jack stands. And, uh, you know what, boys? And I buy a bunch of t-shirts. We have ourselves a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so shout out Original Wheelman. I have like five of their t-shirts. They're winner. Yeah. Their winter hat is the warmest article of clothing I own. Um, you can see me for sure looking like a buffoon wearing it indoors at Atlantic City because I was freezing. <laughs> yeah, I you think... were wearing just the hat, though. I thought that was weird. But... No, I don't and it wasn't even on your head. On. Yeah, it... oh, yeah. It on, <laughs> it's on my penis. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we do have the All-Star Race coming up, which uh, I, I, I want to... The the all star race is uh, just, what a clusterfuck. I don't yeah, even have I don't even have the mental energy to talk about the format. I listened to the guys and gals on DBC today talk about it, and I just was like, uh, it's uh, just such a fucking uh, stupid uh, event. And the fact that they make everyone go to Texas is just the dumbest thing of all time. It's you know, literally it should, be a, it should be any race winner from the year previous or from the last all star race, any past champion, or anybody who's won the all star race, one fan vote. Hundred laps at Martinsville. Well, they for a million dollars. I mean, you gotta. You well, just use the Charlotte Legends oval. Yeah, take, oh, that too. <laughs> that it, like, there's no reason for it to be as convoluted and fucked up and just confusing as it is. There was that one year that like everybody got in. It, like, remember like Juan Pablo Montoya, Danica Patrick. Everybody was just in the All Star race just cause, and it was just basically another race for nothing. It's just such a stupid fucking event. Like to begin with, the fact like how. I just I can't wrap my head around even if like as a NASCAR fan I have no interest like I've I've watched most of the races this year I've gone to five or six of them I I have absolutely no interest in the All Star race um and the, I do I think that you have to have or not that you have to but you have an open race and one driver wins that and you also have the fan vote and I understand that yeah that's good but like the way they have it set up it's like oh like you know one driver there's a stage in the open and like you know this driver wins and then he's on like the pole and it's like what the fuck. Are, I'm like a an actual NASCAR fan, right? Well, if you're not a NASCAR fan, someone that's just turning on the TV, like I do a lot. Like there there could be, you know, an MLS game on and if I'm, you know, 
really, really super the boredest of all time, I might watch it. Well, if, you know, someone sees, oh, NASCAR All-Star Race, well, maybe they'll think that's, you know, just like there's other All-Star things that are, you know, entertaining. I like the NHL All-Star game, watch some skills competitions, and and, uh, even just saying that, I almost just threw up in my mouth because it's really not that great of a product, but... Regardless, you turn on the TV, someone that's not really a fan, maybe you, you you know you tune in. But how the fuck are you supposed to explain to them what is going on? You know, even if if you're like a group of people, you have 80, 80 you sitting there, you know, in a, in a room just, you know, no, let's watch the NASCAR also race. All right, cool. Well, you know, fucking Jimmy's a NASCAR fan. Hey Jimmy, what's going on? Yeah, I can't can't tell you. No idea. I don't even I, I feel like I I understand the technical side of NASCAR, you know. I don't even care. I don't even it's yeah. so exhausting. And convoluted and clunky, like you just said, it. I don't even care. I'm probably not even going to watch it. I don't even know when it is. Is it this weekend? Yeah, it's Sunday. Great. Um, yeah, could uh, be. We'll all be at Hudson. So yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, other than Bartlett uh, Friday, what are you doing Saturday? You're going well, to real the... quick before we move on to our weekend, just got a couple of couple of things. A friend of the program, Spencer Barth, picked up the win at Oxford in the Mad Bombers. Hell yeah. And another friend of the program, Joey Israelson, picked up the win in the Street Stonks. And friend of the program, Nick Moulton, picked up the win over friend of the program, Chris Smith, in the Limiteds. I uh, feel like we should shout them out. I'll be honest with you. I have no fucking idea what went on at Wiscasset. Go back to our previous sponsor, Chasing the Checkered, Amy Hinton Harrop. She will fill you in on anything you need to know about what went on at Wiscasset. I apologize to those drivers uh, for really not, not having my shit together. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, not a thousand percent sure what happened there either. I know Kurt Gary picked up the win in super late models at Oxford, and Max finished second. Yep. Is that true? Yep, that is true. Yeah, from the program, Max rolled right on by that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Max. Um, yeah, so this weekend, like you said, we'll be kicking it off at Bartlett on Friday, Saturday. Bradley and I, Lee USA Speedway. That's going to uh, you're going to learn a lot about that event and a lot about the guy who put that on in a what is. One of the top three interviews I oh think we've God. had. And we didn't need... He didn't need us. No. No, no. we could have just said, uh, yeah, talk for 30 minutes, and it would have been the same interview as what we did. Um, Josh Veneta, owner, um, promoter, JDV Productions. He's responsible for this weekend's NASCAR Wheel and Tour race at Lee. Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about that because you're about to hear about it. But holy fuck, Brad, I could think I speak for the both of us. I'm fucking pretty pumped to go to Lee Saturday. Yeah, I said at the very end of the interview that uh, I was already looking for this, looking forward to this event, and I had been, you know, pretty much since they announced that it was going to happen. But uh, just, you know, after hearing what he had to say, I am even more excited. Really cannot wait. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be doing that on Saturday. I'm actually going to show up. Uh, I actually I, uh, cut a promo while I was disc golfing on Saturday for the, the this weekend's event. And uh, I shit you not, I had at least a couple people, uh, two, maybe three people that all reached out. And they were like, hey, like, when is this event? Like, what time? Like, I'm going to be there. What are you doing? Are you camping? And uh, really didn't want to drive all the way down to Lee and then turn around and drive home and then drive all the way to Hudson. So I think I am just going to uh, pitch a tent down in the back of, back of Lee and uh, have some adult beverages probably after the races are over and uh sounds like i, I uh recruited you know a handful of uh handful of friends to uh to do the same and do uh, hudson I, as well what i get Sunday. to do is drive home after the races just to get up and drive all the way to hudson in the morning yeah but i've been trying yeah. to rack my brain as a way to bringing everything down but i got crew guys that have no interest in doing anything other than racing so i it just makes the most sense for me to just drive down probably with rusty i'll make him drive because he's working on a car saturday um and then but uh, charlie what are you doing saturday night 
Saturday night we will be uh, week three for Group One, uh, Wiscasset Speedway. Uh, we're going to be in the Super Street, probably with another twenty plus car field. How many of them are you going to piss off this week? Uh, probably all of them. I didn't even mean to piss anybody off last week, and my comments uh, uh, made everybody mad. So <laughs> hate listens are still listens. Yeah, uh, I I got. I mean, I not I I don't even know what the hell you said, but the our gaggle group chat had a couple screenshots in it, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, what the fuck are they referring to? I have absolutely no idea. But, uh, Out of everything yeah. that I had in my head, that was by far the least offensive thing that I thought that I could say. And by <laughs> golly, did some people take that fucking personal? Some people <laughs> uh, on the other side of it, though, like some people look for that shit like they and want a reason to be mad well that's the internet bub that's yeah. fine that's what i hate about that's it. fine like you said hate listens are still listens all all the goals look bar down on the score sheet whatever you want to call it but uh no we're going back we we worked on the car a little bit on sunday actually uh, it was pretty fucked up from last week or the la- whatever last time we raced uh just going through it, a lot of a lot of shit just fucked up just stuff we should have caught before i mean the car did sit for about two years before we ran it again uh, the idler arm was about ready to fall off the race car. Um, and the, that's bad. It's not ideal. Uh, the, it's not idle. <laughs> the, the right front lower control arm, the rear bolt just didn't even have a nut on it. So, uh, that was cool. The steering shaft was about to fall out of it. So, uh, made a bunch of changes. Uh, I think really good changes that that's going to help us out on, uh, on Saturday. And we're just going to go and, you know, I, I I've brought my friends to the racetrack at this point. I think if you, you know, want to make friends, go to the mall. Well, uh, before or summer we, camp, before it was you know you're at Beechridge, you were you're part of something, you were part of your own little group or clique, if you will. It, it very was clicky. Every racetrack is that way, and now we're just the new kid in school, and you know you don't have your clique. I don't have my clique, and that's fine. I, I'm bringing my friends to the racetrack. That's all that matters. Uh, Matt and Ashley, they're, they're a huge help with, with our number one car there with, uh, chasing the checkered and Hudson speedway on the side. Um, but, uh, now we're, we're just going with our friends. We're going to go and try and try and pull out a, a good finish there. We're, we're due. Never pull out. Never pull out. But, uh, every time we run at Wiscasset, every time we ran for like an open show, we were always, always quick. And I feel like we've been pretty, pretty decent so far this year. And we're only improving every time we hit the racetrack so hopefully we piss off less people this week and uh come home with a trophy that's really the goal i don't have any trophies for any other tracks in a, in a big car so that's kind of the goal yeah so that's our uh, saturdays and then i think i don't know bobby and i will definitely be at hudson i know bobby's gonna be racing and uh, i got a pretty decent handful of friends that are all gonna <laughs> come make the trek to hudson i know a lot of them actually have never been to hudson before so i'm, I'm really looking to forward to it last year impression. i was last year you guys all went to lee for the race that's essentially happening this year, just with a different uh, format and different divisions. But I'm pretty, pretty excited for some of you guys to show up. I still got some t-shirts and hats. People want them. Appreciate everybody that's bought them so far. Um, I won this race last year. So obviously I really, really uh, got this one circled on the calendar. Uh, Derek Griffith's going to be in a super modified, um, the Hudson hometown hero. Has he asked for any tips or pointers? No, no. Um, I don't think he's going to need them. He's (laughs) he's a pretty good little race car driver. I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a blast. Um, a totally different ball game. I feel. Yeah. It's nothing like anything. I know I can pretty much speak for him. I think. So unless a truck or an Xfinity car is is similar <laughs> to super modifieds and I don't know that it's nothing like anything he's probably done before. Well, from someone like yourself, you you've got uh experience in a super late model fender car and you you've been doing the Flappy Bird for a while now. What what are what are some of the first like big things that Derek's going to be like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Um, you need a truck to start you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, there's 
I know he doesn't he doesn't race with mirrors anyway, um, so that won't be a huge adjustment for him. But there's nobody to tell you what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he's the kid's a fucking professional race car driver at this point. You know, might not be his profession, but he's good enough to be on that level with those guys. So he's gonna figure it out. He's got he's in a good car. He's pretty fucking good at Hudson. Uh, he's got yeah. plenty of laps around there, and uh, I think he'll be just fine. You just the biggest thing is uh, that may hurt him is. He don't know who he's racing with. Yeah. You know, whereas I pretty much know everything about every driver that races that series, or I try my best to. Um, and that can either help you and or hurt you if you don't know. But like I said, the kid's a professional race car driver. It, he's gonna figure it out. He'll be be fun to race with. He may even know more than uh, he leads on to. He is a student of the sport, just like uh, the rest of us. I feel so he'll be just fine. He I'm goes sure. to every race to win, so I'm sure he's doing his homework right now and. And like I said, I was like, I'm excited for him. You know, when mm-hmm. I when I spoke with Ben Bozowski earlier in the week, he was telling me about it, and man, that's fucking cool. So, yeah. but, uh, shout out Ben too, Hudson Speedway. Definitely. Every time I've been there, that the, there's an improvement since the last time I've been there. Uh, incredible, friendly staff. You walk through the gate, you you know that you're you're part of the show uh, at that point, whether you're a fan or a competitor. So, um, the grandstands there are cool. You you're looking looking down at the racetrack, so there's not a bad seat really anywhere in the facility. <laughs> they have a division named or sponsored by us. The they, Black Flag Podcast Ridge Runners had their yes. first race this past weekend. Shout out Mike Doobie for picking up the win. Yeah, so uh, that's actually something I'm going to have to give you tomorrow, Bob. I'm going to be at the shop tomorrow, and you're going to need to take those windshield banners to both Lee and Hudson. Good, good. Get them to them after opening day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but that's all right. Uh, we'll get the uh, BFP Ridge Runners, their, their windshield banners. Those are all ready to rip, thanks to uh, Connor McDougal, and uh, thanks to Joe Bassett, thanks to Ben Basowski, thanks to Josh Veneta, thanks to Smack Tour, thanks to Wisconsin Speedway, everybody that helps us uh, give us shit to talk about. So My last note is um, shout out Kyle Horde. He slid, slid into my DMs on Instagram when I, I am, I'm trying to like utilize social media to promote my own racing in a similar form to what Max McLaughlin does or Alex um, that does some of the stuff for him. I'm not that good at it, but I'm trying, and I think it helps. And uh, I put that it was 1947 to win, and then I edited it, crossed it out, and wrote that it was 3,500 plus to win. And he slides in and says, but what's second pay? Oof. And I'm like, motherfucker, like... <laughs> No, I'm fucking going there to, to win the race. Like I, I plan on winning this race, and I was like, I don't know. I think it's up to fourteen hundred. He's like, nice, good little payday for you. And I just was like, no, fuck that guy. And uh, then so what'd you get, Bob? Saturday at eleven thirty-seven. I well, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you owned it. You uh, so owned it. I think I got about two grand out of it. So definitely nothing to nothing to bitch and complain about. I certainly uh. Made a profit on Saturday compared to most nights. So, uh, episode 167. 67. Mike Nest. Jeff Gordon. Seth Seth Brown. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Because of Mike Nest. Yeah. That baby, the the original baby Ruth. 67. Yeah. Um, There was a kid that raced go-karts with us. What the fuck was his name? Alex. Madruga? No, he still races. He's from the Bangor. He's 67 too, isn't he? 64. Um, He was, this kid Alex was from like the Bangor area. I think he ran a street stop. Oh, uh, Barry. Yeah, Alex Barry. Alex Barry. Yeah. Nice nice little family. Nice kid. Great people. Yeah. Yeah. 67. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm lost, but I want wings, so. Yeah, yeah. Wings, beer, sports. Sports. (laughs) Tonight on tap, as always. Um, When you're listening to this tomorrow, you should have came here, or should have came there at about 10 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy this interview. This is uh, again, like uh, Bobby said, one of the best interviews that we've uh, we've had, and uh, I think that it's it's really one of the one of the best, specifically because it's a shorter interview, but it's also jam packed with information, and it wasn't uh, repetitive or anything. It was like uh, almost 
almost like uh, he had like a notepad of uh, everything that he needed to say written He's down. He's a professional just, race promoter. Yeah, yeah, yeah you is. can tell. Uh, really good interview. Excited for it and excited for his event coming up this weekend. So uh, hopefully we see you there. Uh, Patreon subscribers, find us in the bar. And, free beer. Uh, yeah, we'll buy you a free beer. So uh, that's patreon.com backslash Black Flag Podcast. And here's Josh Veneta. All right, boys and girls. So as we just introduced you to uh, or introduced into going Whatever you get it. Uh, basically, <laughs> this is going to be the uh, the guy. We've had plenty of drivers on here. We've had spotters, even we've even had announcers. But I don't know that we've had just a straight up promoter. So uh, on the other end of the Zoom call, without any further ado, this is going to be Josh Fanato. What's going on, man? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on. Glad to be with you tonight. Of course, of course. I think that the three of us can vouch for a lot of different people. That uh, I don't know that I've ever really been to a bad JDV race um so you seem to kind of have your your shit together in that regard so i mean let's just get right down to it who, who the fuck are you how does this all start for you then you know it's interesting it, that's a great yeah, everyone asks that you know because i, I kind of came out of nowhere right um is the way most people see it and uh my dad grew up racing at seacocks well i grew up with my dad racing at seacocks speedway i think is a better way to put it my dad raced in um uh or his family attended races in ohio and pennsylvania where he grew up and uh, when I was two years old, my dad stopped racing a street stock at Seacock Speedway. And so, you know, I have very uh, distant memories of me playing with my, you know, my bulldozer and my uh, dump truck and uh, some diecast race cars up on the back stretch of Seacock and their dirt um, there on the top of those concrete walls. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. So we grew up at the racetrack and my brother uh, really took a liking to it. When I was in college, my brother decided he wanted to, to give racing a go. And so he did that over at Sugar Hill um, in New Hampshire. And I was like, well, that, I think I'll try it too. Um, and I sucked. Uh, like really <laughs> uh, And, you know, I'm a competitive guy. And so I was like, well, I can't go out there and suck like that. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm a... I'm a kind of a, 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 an organized freak. And I think that's part of what makes JDV good is our attention to detail. Um, and so I, you know, I hated the idea of having somebody next to me who could wreck my day. And uh, I just said at the end of the year, I was like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. Um, and so I mailed it in. And then Seacock Speedway had um, an opening for some official positions. And I got involved with those guys over there. Uh, and I've held a lot of different positions with uh, touring series as a race official um, at Thompson, Seekonk. Um, and when Thompson was, uh, I want to say it was around 08, Ben Dodge invited me to go and work there um, for the end of a season. I was filling in, I think it was for Sean Houlihan. And Sean um, needed to take a break. And so I filled in for him. And Ben and I really hit it off. And so I ended up working there. And then um, when they renovated the road course, they had come to me and said that they felt like my skills were really good to help, um, with the transition from just, a you know, a, we're going to race once a week model to, I think, I think our best year, we had 270 races, uh, two or 270 events. Right. And so, um, I ran that place for five years and, uh, I loved every second of that job. Uh, you know, we, we built an amazing team over there and we received some national awards, um, for the world series when I was there. Um, I received some recognition as well. Um, and then I pursued a career change, right. And that was in 2018 that I left Thompson. 
Um, and I run a dealership for a living now, but I couldn't fully get out of it. Uh, so we, we made a run at doing some of our own tour type races and, and that proved to be a little bit of a crowded space. And I think I was either one year too late or one year too early. I'm not sure, um, which of the two it was. And I had always had a great relationship with NASCAR and particularly with Jimmy Wilson, who is the director of the Wheel and Modified Tour. Um, and we had always stayed in touch and I was like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go out and take a financial risk like this, um, and we lost quite a bit of money doing that first race that we did, um, the bull ring bash race, uh, at white mountain. It's like, maybe I should go on a sure bet. So, uh, bull ring bash becomes JDB productions. And, um, we go to Jennerstown and we lose more money, um, because it, you know, it was 40 degrees and misting in Southwestern Pennsylvania and May, tw- May 20 something last year. Um, but then we went to Oswego and we had a little bit of mojo. You know, they've got an interesting crowd out there who they love their modifieds and they love their winged stuff. Um, you know, Bobby, you can testify uh, to that. Yep, definitely. Uh, you know, right? And so it was like, wow, this is interesting. It was, and it's a really quirky place. You know, I, there's three places in my life that I've walked into, maybe four actually, um, that I've walked into and I felt like, they could almost tell you stories. You know, when you walked in, it felt almost as if it was somewhat of a sacred place. I'm sure you guys have been to similar places like that. Um, Thompson was one of those for me. You know, you just felt like that place could tell you incredible stories. It was the first uh, paved oval in the United States. It had the first purpose-built road course in America. Um, And so it was like, wow, okay, this is pretty interesting. I think we all just learned something there. Uh, the second place actually was Sebring Raceway sports car course down in Florida. And I traveled there when I was at Thompson. Um, and that place you just walk and they have the, you know, the names of all of these champions of their 12 hour, um, races. And you're just like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Um, the other place I would say is, uh, Fenway park, you know, you walk in there and it's just like, wow, pretty amazing. And then also we go speedway. You know, you walk in on the front stretch, literally open the gates. It's almost like, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the, the movie, The Rookie of the Year, right? When it's the kid's first game and he's like going up and he wants his buddies to come into the with him. And there's this guy who opens the door and he goes, hey, kids, autographs are after the game. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm Henry Rowan Gardner. Oh, well, come on in. And the guy like swings the thing open and all of a sudden, you know, he's right there. And Oswego has got that feel, you know, you walk in off of whatever road that is and they swing this gate open and you're on the racetrack, you know, and you look to the left and you see all these steel walls and you look to the right. And then you look up at these grandstands, which are, you know, uh, like aged grandstands. And I don't say that in like the sense that they're old, but they're aged, right? There's like wisdom to them and, um, you walk through it and it's place is quirky. And so, um, we had a great time there. Uh, doing that race and uh, you know you go to the top of the tower over at the end of, of turn one and you look to your right and there's Lake Ontario you're just like what this is so cool um, and then it course, like an ocean it doesn't even look like a lake it's so big and so vast that you swear it's an ocean you would yeah and it was but it was I mean it was and it's such a cool place you know um, uh, and it, it just is it's, it's a really cool place we had a ton of fun there and then um, we did the Beechridge race, which you guys know all about. Um, and that race was, um, I thought that race was a blast. Um, I thought the people thought it was a blast. And I think, you know, had the place not been sold, that event had a, had a long track record there. 
um, with little doubt in my mind. And I actually think we could have improved upon it. Um, so that kind of brings us to the present day. Uh, you know, we looked at what we wanted to do again this year and we couldn't quite, despite my love for Oswego, I mean, I spent, you know, half of my time so far talking about that place. We just couldn't find a way to make that work again, um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, not off of my list forever, but, um, for this year, um, couldn't find a way to make it work. Uh, and then we sat down with Jeff and Norm Wren, um, and said, Hey, look, here's what we're doing. Here's what we did. And, uh, you guys know about it. And Jeff and I had worked together. Jeff was actually, um, the year before I took Thompson over, Jeff was there and he and I were kind of overseeing the whole oval at the time. So we knew, we had a long track record and Norm Red and I had known each other. And so we met at a Panera somewhere up on 495 and, uh, you know, I pitched Jeff a race and I said to Norm, I said, and what do you think about Lee? Let me get back to you. Um, and then, uh, there, there basically in lies the very early beginnings of the Granite State Cup, you know, that we've put together under that Whelan Granite State Short Track Cup banner. Um, and then we're kicking that thing off this weekend, uh, at Lee. You, you just carried that whole thing. That was fucking incredible. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you, you've been fascinated to listen to so far, but um, yeah, a couple of questions I have just because I, you know, I, I'm very interested in what you do as, you know, for your, for your job and stuff, you know, obviously working directly hand in hand with NASCAR. What, what are some of the things that you have to take into account before you even can pitch a race? Like what, what is that you have to have at a facility that maybe some of the things that we would never think about? That's an interesting question. Um, when we first started, my criteria was, um, there were two pieces of criteria that were interesting to me. So this is going back two years now. One was, um, there had to be an appetite for that type of product. Uh, you know, the modified tour is, it's so rich in history. Um, and when it comes to a racetrack, there's a certain amount of prestige that comes with it. You know, it, it doesn't feel like, and I'm sure you guys have this feel as you look to Saturday, um, it doesn't feel like you're about to go to another race. You're going to something that's special. Um, and I, I, it was important to me that the people I was talking to understood that because they needed to capture the vision. They needed to have the, a, a level of excitement for this that I had. Um, that was the first piece. The second piece was I wanted all of my races to have a pit road. And so we checked that box at Jennerstown. We checked that box at Oswego. And then Beach Ridge is an interesting one. I mean, how many third miles do you guys know that have an infield pit road? Answer, not many. Uh, and I think, you know, the, I, I personally think the 200 lap strategy at that race um, was really what made that with the pit cycles. And I think what's going to be exciting about Saturday is exactly that. This isn't another 150 lap tour race and add into that fact that this is a very abrasive surface. Um, there is an extra tire allotment for this race. So there's really six tires as opposed to the traditional four tires you can bolt on. So you're probably looking at a two stop cycle, um, really won't need to fuel the cars. So that's what makes it interesting. Um, so now fast forward to 22. So that was my criteria for the first year was, hey, look, you've got to care about this. You know, you, your blood pressure needs to get slightly elevated 
about this and I need you to have a pit road. So fast forward now, and I've got two tracks that don't have a pit road in them being Claremont and Benadnock, but we wanted to come back closer to home um, and places that had a good local, you know, we're calling them house, but local or house divisions. Um, because what we found was in the secret sauce at Beach Ridge actually was we brought in the best of the local and the best of the visitors. Um, and that proved to be actually a, a kind of a really cool recipe for us. Um, so I learned from that and we discussed that. And so when we talked to, when we talked to, to the Wrens um, about Lee, the thing that's fascinating to me about Lee, and you guys can appreciate this for sure, is it's normally a track has a certain style of race car that people get the most excited about. So for example, at Thompson, that would clearly be modifieds. In Maine, at, at Oxford, as an example, that would be super late models. At Thunder Road, it would be ACT late models. Lee, however, doesn't actually have that. They like pro stocks. They like things that have wings on them. They think modifieds are pretty cool. And they want everything in moderation. And so therein lies the invitation to the Granite State Pro Stocks, the invitation to the NEMA Lights. Let's get the battle at the belt with the, the house guys involved. So let's bring that mini stock race in. And then the Pro Forest have a long and storied history with the Wrens. I mean, so I worked with that group when Norm Wren was still racing in that. Um, and it just made good sense to bring those guys in. Um, so the criteria now is they've got to have there's got to be a local following and that New Hampshire short track racing association is a good threat um, of continuity amongst those three racetracks. And then, you know, I've never lost more money and yet been happier at the same time as when I left Jennerstown speedway in 2021. Um, and the reason I left so happy was I felt that I felt like we did the people whose lives were given in service to our country, a great service. I, I feel like we did them, you know, justice to the best of our ability. And um, there was a lot of local passion for that. I mean, we had, there's nothing you can do about 40 degree weather and mist, right? But we had people from 16 states express interest in that race. So you can't just give up after one year. Um, so that's where we're at now. I mean, we're looking at places that still have that passion. They've got a good house following a local following um and you know they can believe and see that you know these events can be badass so so kind of going back all the way to the beginning and i don't know if the other boys have questions here or not but going back to the beginning here where you, you were racing at one point you were behind the wheel right and you, you just kind of came to the conclusion that 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 just ain't it but right. wh where did that passion continue from to still want to be involved in motorsports? Like, what is it that made you be like, I still need to do something with this and like, and, and go on the path that you did? You know, it's interesting. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just wired this way, but I look at things that are, and say, wow, I think we could do this better. I think we could do that better. I think we, and I can, I just can't help it. Right. Um, I'm a horrible fan. I mean, horrible. I, I actually just can't go and sit and watch and enjoy. I just don't have that inside of me. Um, 
And so I watched some of these things. I was like, I think we could do it. I could do a better job than that. Uh, and it wasn't like, it wasn't about me ever. It was about the fact that this product could be better and don't we want it to be as best as it can be. And I think that's the drive that propels me today. Um, you know, anyone who works with me will tell you I'm tough. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody on the team the other day and they were telling me about this, this person we were dealing with. That's a, that's kind of like a vendor. And they're like, we think, I think that person's really stressed out. And, um, you know, and I said, you know, Henry, my standards aren't changing. You know, we, we pride ourselves. We tell ourselves all the time. This is what I talk about all the time with the JDB team. We're going to put events on in our region, but I want them to be equivalent to national quality. And I won't settle for anything less. Um, and we, we raised the bar every single year when I was at Thompson. And, you know, I mean, we've got some tricks up our sleeve for what's going to happen here on Saturday and some other things um, that we're going to do throughout the year. I mean, uh, that I, I just won't rest uh, because I think the sport, the sport deserves that. You know, these people are spending their hard-earned money, whether you're racing or you're coming in to watch. And we're asking for them to, we're not asking for them to spend an insignificant amount of money. I'm very well much aware of that. And if I'm going to charge premium prices, then I need to give them premium value. You mentioned your team at JDV. Um, I know you have a team of, of players. I'm sure these two know as well, but um, just tell everybody that's listening, you know, who you got behind you, who you got working with you and what do they do to help out, you know, along with your duties? Yeah. So Taylor Pelletier um, was like, you know, my right hand person at Thompson. I mean, you know, there were two people who really ran Thompson Speedway. It was Taylor Pelletier and Scott Mayo. Um, and Taylor really spearheads now our marketing efforts. And, um, you know, when you look at the trophies on Saturday, that's her work, not mine. That's her. Um, and you know, it's those, those finishing touching pieces, finishing touch pieces that she puts on, um, that really drive everything home. Uh, and she interfaces with a lot of like the touring groups and does a lot of administrative stuff. Um, with not a lot of fanfare, but she does it with such a smile and everybody that meets her loves her. Um, so she, she's a, she's an ace. You guys obviously know we added Andy Austin to the team this year, which I think is going to bring us to, um, I think I can say this without hyperbole. I, I think that's going to bring our game up to a level. It's actually never been at, you know, a lot of people think we're just going to have Andy announce and that's actually not true. Um, he's really gifted at that, but we've really tasked Andy with saying, Andy, I want people to feel like this is a professional sporting event. So um, mix in elements of music, keep the energy levels high, keep the show moving, no dead time. Uh, you know, if you have anybody who hung around Beach Ridge or knows Andy, I mean, you know, I've read some of the monologues that he wrote um, or, and then in turn, you know, used to kind of uh, open a program or something like that. And not to overstate it, but if that stuff doesn't make the, the hair on the back of your neck stand up or you don't get goosebumps, um, I just don't know if you're a race fan. Uh, you know, I really don't. And so I'm, I'm super excited about that, you know, and honored, truly. I mean, Andy told me that he said, Josh, I, when I left, when, when things ended right at Beach Ridge, I said, I think I'm done. Uh, and I know he told you guys the story. So um, he said, but then I started to kind of had to maybe think that I need to, you know, I got to be a little more balanced and maybe there's things I can offer the racing community. And so um, 
he said I needed the right opportunity. And I didn't know that, but I knew Andy and I appreciated him. And I felt like he was a professional. And I felt that he filled a void for us that, um, that, I, that we've had, frankly. I think that's an area we could, we could do better in. And so Andy came on this year and I, I, I'm just jazzed. You know, we were texting today and I think he's just going to, it's going to be next level. Um, Coming from uh, the three of us who are, are Beechridge, you know, we, we grew up at that place as far as I'm concerned. There was nothing cooler than getting in the lineup area and hearing Andy Austin either talking about the next race and hearing your name and then you're about ready to fire up your own race car. Like Just like you said, if that doesn't get you excited, then li- literally nothing will. So Andy is by far, and this is coming from me personally, that not even the whole group here, but someone who's come from you know, gone to a lot of different race events to a lot of different racetracks. He's the best in the league. As far as I'm concerned, that, that was a hell of a signing by you to get him on your team. And I, I I'm excited to go to any race that I can that you're putting on with him at, at buying the mic. It's like the yeah. Buccaneer signing Tom Brady is you sign Andy Austin. <laughs> he, Andy Austin is the goat. As, as someone who wasn't really in those driver lineups that often and was sitting more in the fan side of things, uh, going to Beechridge and there's, you know, a handful of times, I guess, growing up, I would always hear Andy Austin, but there's a couple of times where you'd go and Andy wasn't the one announcing and boy, did the show suffer. Um, and also just going to a lot of the local racetracks around, you know, no knock on anyone, but Andy just, it just try, sounded like home. Try being one of the guys that had to fill in for him one night. <laughs> That was tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, so, and to compliment him, right, you've got Ben Dodge, who's iconic, um, you know, that voice. And it, it, there's just something about it, you know, and Ben and I go way, way back t- together. Um, and it, it's an honor, you know, he'll tell you it's an honor for him to be part of what we're doing. And the feeling sincerely is mutual. Um, to, to have gone from a place where I worked for Ben Dodge to now having Ben Dodge's voice boom over our PA at a race that I'm putting on um, is, is sweet. It's really sweet. And then Joe Koss, I mean, you know, Joe won way back in time. You guys probably remember the battle at the beach at Daytona uh, and they had that announcer contest. Although you guys are really young, you might not remember this. You, you might've been just out of diapers, um, but they had this contest and, uh, and Joe won it. And that really elevated his career. Um, you know, to the point where he was doing Daytona and other national series tracks. And now he's the voice of the modified tour on flow. And, um, you know, those three guys together, uh, I mean, people are just going to be in for a treat, you know, they just really are. Um, so they're kind of doing like the, if you think the event production side, uh, Henry Capitosto, who worked with me at Thompson, he's a, a great guy. Who's just uh, been a lifelong fan. And, um, he does a lot of like behind the scenes stuff. He's been very active in the Jennerstown pieces. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts. No one really knows what goes on to prepare one of these things, but the level of details incredible. I mean, we started with Jennerstown um, six or seven months ago um, and we've been working on it almost every week uh, and now every day. And we've been working on it every day for at least a month and a half. Um, Randy, Randy Stefanik. And, you know, if you guys walked into these people, you wouldn't even know them. Um, that's just, and that's one of the things we all like, like if nobody knows I'm there on Saturday, that's cool for me. I don't care if anybody knows who I am, if I will, but if I get to watch people walk out of that racetrack and they have a smile ear to ear, we did our jobs. So Randy, um, Randy's going to be responsible for making sure the show flows from the pit area, making sure the cars are lined up, making sure that everybody parks in a, in a orderly fashion. Um, and you know, if you raced at Thompson, you knew that was really important to me. And uh, the reason it was really important to me is actually super simple. 
because, and you guys can testify to this as racers to prove me wrong. Here's your challenge, right? If you walk in and the guy at the gate gives you a hard time or the woman who's selling you your tickets um, gives you grief, your day's shot. <laughs> and so if you come in though, and the people who sold you your ticket were nice, we were prepared at the gate and told you exactly, exactly where to park. There was somebody waiting for you in that general area to ask you to park there. Even if we were asking you to park in an area where you may not love it, the fact that we were organized enough and cared enough to have people in those places was enough for us to hit that off at the pass. And your day's off to a much better start than if we just left it wide open. And, uh, you know, I challenge anybody to prove me wrong on that. Um, so, so you just, you just kind of walked us through like what, what the day is like the event day is like, yeah. right. So walk us through, you know, the weeks, days, months leading up to an event. What, what is your, what is your day and week look like, you know, even this week leading up to Lee or, or, or the months leading up to any event that is a JDB production? Um, so I think, you know, a lot of it is um, a lot of it's phone calls. A lot of it's making sure that guys, I, I got to tell you, you know, the devil is in the details, right? And so for us, it's about how are our t-shirts designed? The sweatshirts, how are the, how is the schedule structured? And we'll leave the schedule to sit for a month and come back to it and say, oh, you know what? We can't do that because that division is going to be blocked in. We can't have that. All right, let's scrap that. How do we, and we'll call it series and say, hey, we got a problem. What are we going to do um, with something like that? Uh, and a lot of it is, even before that, I guess I would say, I come up with a theme. So for this weekend, we've got the Granite State Derby, um, you know, right on the heels of the Kentucky Derby, which I think, yeah, I mean, you never know when you come up with these things, but what a great story that was. You know, you think of Rich Strike, who literally, you know, quote unquote, makes the race the morning of the race, was claimed on a $30,000 waiver. Um, it's just a story of the little dog that could, or the little engine that could, or whatever the, you know, the, the, the proper phrase is. But, um, you know, we came up with the Derby for this one, uh, this Jennerstown Salutes theme. And then we've got the Duel of the Dog, which will be fun. I mean, Mad, you know, Mad, known as Mad Dog. And then the Clash at Claremont is, um, I think it's going to be a wacky race. Uh, and then the team, then, you know, the beauty of our team is they'll take and run with these things. So, you know, we've got a Kentucky Derby theme trophy for the weekend. And, um, you know, we've got some stuff with we're going to go to talk to drivers Saturday and we're going to come up with some videos and ask them if they could name their their uh, race car. Like they name horses, what would it be? Uh, and, and these are the things we just let people run free with it. Uh, and so now I'm free to do things like this with you guys and, um, you know, field last minute questions. You know, I've learned despite my best efforts to prepare, get as ahead of everything you possibly can. The 10 days leading up to a race, it's when everybody realizes it's actually going to happen. I, I, I would say whether it's a race car itself or the event, it's, it's never done. There, nothing's ever done. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we work on, right? Uh, and there are just a lot of logistics to make sure things go well. I mean, you got to schedule emergency vehicles at the right time. You know, we caught this week, we were going to have them there an hour later than, they, than we needed them there. Um, it, it's not glamorous, but I can tell you the thing that makes us different is the fact that we don't leave one stone unturned and we want every single detail to go within our control, right? Once you guys strap in and roll in, there's nothing I can do. I can handle how to respond. I can make sure I have the best emergency people there. I can make sure I have the best announcers to entertain people. There's nothing I can do if you guys want to destroy each other. Not one thing. 
I've got, I've got to make it, I can make it entertaining to the best of my ability, but we can only respond once we get the event going. And so the thing is to make sure that all the controllables around that are a good experience for you as participants and for the people who are paying their hard-earned money to come and sit there. You know, I mean, I, you know, any, any, I, I don't know if you guys, do you guys know Sippy, Andy Byron? He's a big, like, yeah, you do, right, Bobby? So, um, you know, he's a big track services guy, you know, go and ask him. He, we had a night at Thompson one night where he thought things went great. And we had a couple of cautions that went long and it was like 1130 at night. And I said, I need to see in my office. And this was like, I think in the middle of the world series or something, we had, we had a long way to go. I think it was Friday night. And I said to them, I said, that wasn't very good tonight. What do you mean? I said, these cautions were too long, you know, it's, uh, and those are the things that we just, we handle. Um, so th there's nothing special to it. I know people want to see secret sauce or anything like that. There's not, there's not, we just don't, uh, we don't let any detail go unturned. It's fascinating to sit here and, and listen to how it started when you're talking about how, when you were racing, you didn't like how someone could be right next to you and, and ruin your day. And then it kind of all tied in when you were talking about like the vendor or whatever. And you were like, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to stand for it basically. Um, and then, you know, even a, just a race that ends at 1130, you're, that attention to detail is something I think as race fans that we definitely appreciate, but uh, going into uh, this weekend, you had a JDV experience. Uh, is, what are the other, uh, you know, unique things that you're going to be offering this weekend at Lee and for the, the races coming up? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So yeah, the JDV experience is something we're excited about. Um, so we're throwing in some food and some beer um, with that. We're going to give you the best seats in the house. So those are good. That's going to be the Daytona seats as they're referred to in the center of turns three and four will be reserved for the JDV experience folks. Uh, and you pay a little bit more for that, but you get the uh, beer tickets. As I mentioned, you get the food. We're going to have a private autograph session. So, um, you know, we, and I'm, I'm going to say tentatively because um, we do have this lined up, but you never know. Uh, Matt Hirschman, uh, Doug Kobe, and Ronnie Silk will be the three drivers. And they'll come right up to your seats. They'll come and say hi to you and meet you and sign whatever you want them to sign. Um, so that'll be cool. We've got some JDV swag for you um, when you arrive. We're going to let those folks inside of the infield for qualifying, which, um, you know, people who have been to Lee go, oh, yeah, okay, well, I can get in the infield. Actually, you can't anymore. You know, five years ago, you could just walk into the infield and do whatever you wanted. There's not going to be anything in the infield until we roll in the pit boxes for qualifying. And then, um, you know, the modified tour crews will stay in there while we qualify, but uh, we're going to let the JDV experience folks be right in there and get a close look at what it is for one of those cars to take off from uh, turn two and go and take their time and then return back to the pits and um, things like that. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are some of the cool things that we have lined up that's part of that. And that's one of the things that we, we want to, to differentiate ourselves with. You know, we, for people who want that type of access, uh, we want to give it. For somebody who says, hey, you know, I kind of like a little bit of a guided experience, um, we're going to provide something like that. Uh, so, and we're pretty excited about that. We're going to hang in there on that. Um, you know, I don't think we've sold as many of those as I probably would have liked for this year, but uh, there's a lot of interest and people are asking about it. I think it's the type of thing where you guys know whenever you start something new, you've got a, a bunch of folks who will say, yeah, I'm in. Um, but that's a small group. And then you've got folks who want to watch and say, hmm, that seems cool, but I'm going to let the other guys go first in case they look stupid. Um, and, then, and then you get the last group of people who is a very small group that just say, I'm never going to do that. Um, so I think that'll be a cool offering. Um, you know, you get your regular grandstand passes, you get your pit passes. Um, there'll be, there will be a driver autograph session for everybody. 
um, that'll happen right behind the beer tent uh, in the center of three and four um, there. And it'll be an opportunity. I expect the lines that that will be pretty long. Um, you may remember at Beach Ridge, they were, um, you know, to the places that we go to for the back for the first time. And it's been 20, it'll be tw- it's 24 years since the modified tour competed at Lee. Um, you know, there's, a, there's generally a long lines at these things. So um, that's what kind of what we've got up our sleeve. We're going to do uh we're going to do a, um, a tribute to Bill Callen too, who passed away over the uh, winter. Bill was a, a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, he, he did some work with JDV as part of the core team, Brian Callen, his son actually does work with us. Um, he'll be there Saturday in, in a key role. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, we're going to, we're going to look after him and his family and, uh, then we'll have a lot of racing to go along with it. And I mean, it's exciting. You know, you can, you get the pro stocks for hundred laps, you get the modified tour for 175 with two pit stops, um, you get the, the Nima lights and the pro fours and the mini stock guys. And, you know, the mini stock races, people, you know, will go, Oh, well, it's just the mini stocks. But I mean, this battle of the belt things. I mean, they mean something, you know, I mean, this is the, this is the Daytona 500 or, you know, one of the biggest races of the year for these guys. Um, and as a matter of fact, I think, and I could be wrong. So this is not a certain fact. I think actually this is their only battle of the belt race at Lee for the year. Um, so it's a big deal. We're really excited about it. And a lot of other people are too. Well, it sounds like um, I, I, I'm going to be racing. So I, I unfortunately will not be able to uh, make the show, but it sounds like these other two boys are going to be uh, hogging up the beer garden for us and, uh, you know, you know, putting that BFP banner on display on the backstretch there. So uh, this has been an incredible conversation. This is, uh, I think we've all been fascinated by every word that you've said so far. So, um, you know, the, you just kind of close this out. I mean, this weekend's going to be phenomenal. It sounds like, but you know, what's, what do we have to look forward to past this weekend for JDV? I mean, we've got, you know, what's the two, three, four, five year plan. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would love, so I think a great question and you guys have been really kind to thank you. Um, you know, it's been fun talking with you. Um, I think keep thinking along those lines of, you know, we want to produce, produce events that are in our region. I mean, I live in Massachusetts, so I, I want things that are in that kind of that hub, that new England hub. And I want them to be things that people talk about all year. You know, when we brought home that hardware from Daytona for the uh, outstanding short track event of the year for the world series, that award, and, and we said this and we, and I stand by this to this day, um, I accepted that wo- award on behalf of every single touring person that was there, whether driver, crew, um, you know, fan, uh, the people that worked with us. That that belongs to everybody, and I think that we're going to keep trying to build on that. And so um, we're going to keep providing really cool events that people want to come and see. To uh, see, you know, it's my hope that the Granite State Cup um, that Wheelands prevent uh, presenting at these short tracks continues. Um, I think what we've got going on at Jennerstown is really good. Uh, and we've got a, we've got a good mix. And uh, I want to, you know, I've, my brother Ray still races at Seekonk and um, they, it's amazing to look and Charlie, you know, Charlie, you can attest to this, Bobby, you, you can too, right? It's, it's fascinating how much work you guys put on your cars and it's a labor of love. I mean, let there be no confusion about it. You spend more money than you make, you put in more hours than, you know, um, you're ever going to get back, right? Times are redeemable. And I think every time we go and do something like this, it's kind of our way of saying thank you to you guys that we see you and we honor what you do. 
in the garage and we honor the amount of money that you're spending. Um, and I won't rest until I continue to amplify the message for racers and get you guys an audience that is equivalent to what we're going to provide here on Saturday that, um, you know, we're, we're not just talking, we are talking about the tour, but if you're following along with us on Facebook or anywhere else, we're, we're talking about everybody. We're talking about who's coming for the mini stock guys. We're talking about how many pro fours, you know, you get four champions for pro fours. They're going to be in there. And I'm going to keep doing that as long as I'm in the game. And um, I've long said this and it's true. The day that the modified tour cars fire up and I don't feel some sort of hair on the back of my neck or get goosebumps or something like that, I'm done. So, uh, and I think there's a lot of other people that feel like that, that go to these things. That's why they travel four, five, six, eight. I mean, there's people coming from Pennsylvania, New York, upstate New York, all over the place for this thing. And um, I think that's why we go. Well, that that just got me a little goosebumpy for sure. Uh, <laughs> as, as a fan in the stands, that uh, I I tend to lean towards modifieds now, but I still love watching pro stocks. Obviously, since that's what we have in our backyard, it's perfect to have both of those two things at uh, one of our favorite facilities. And uh, all this conversation has done is is uh, made me way more excited for an event that I was already excited for. So uh, I can't wait for this weekend. Let's get some super modifieds in there next year. You never know. <laughs> maybe maybe some uh, super streets or something too. Maybe we can maybe we can work on something there. But uh, uh, what, one last question. This is something I ask every single guest that we have on the show. Uh, I'm gonna make it a little bit different for you because you, you you have such good answers. But uh, for a lot of people, it's it's speed or atmosphere or sound or people. But um, if you could encapsulate every single thing that brings you to the racetrack. Why does Josh Fanata have to be at the racetrack every single week? I would say as a promoter of races, uh, and this is to take nothing away from anybody else because I can, but, but I only can control my own effort. Um, I think that the race teams and the fans deserve the very best. Uh, and I take great pride and joy in giving it to them. Perfect man this has been incredible um i've said that over and over again but this has been probably one of our best interviews for sure so thank you for doing all that you do for you know local short track racing you you know you're one of the few but we need you uh you're doing a hell of a job and coming come from a few few idiots that just have a podcast we appreciate everything that you do and uh we love going to your shows man i appreciate it guys it's really our pleasure race car race car here we go race car